0: Here in the studio is Mr. Ape Man, who we've hypnotized and tranquilized into a state of deep, deep regression. Now, Tarzan, remember? Try to think, Mr. Ape Man. What is it that you remember? And how do you remember it? Tarzan dream. A dream? That's good. That's good. A dream about what? Nazis. Nazis? Nazis. Why are you dreaming about Nazis? Took away? Boy? Are you trying to tell me that Nazis stole your inner child? Because if you are, that's pretty messed up. Where, boy? Well, it's my professional opinion that wherever he is, Nazis certainly did not steal him. Now, Tarzan make war. I think it's your brain that's made war. On you, you nut. This has been Jungle Fever, the advice show for crazy people. Dateline Jassoom is next on the Gridley Wave Network. Dateline Jassoom. On tape delay from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, Illinois, this is the Panthen Press Podcast for fans of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pulp Adventure. I'm your host, Elmo. Welcome to the 4th show. All right, joining me tonight in the Dateline Jasoom studio is Mike Conran, and I will let him introduce himself as the editor of Edgar Rice Burroughs' News Dateline. Okay, Mike, and tell me tell me about that.
1: What what is it? It's it's would you describe it as a fanzine or yeah, it it is a fanzine, and it basically came out of the time when um, before the internet existed, mm-hmm. and all the stuff, and fans corresponded back and forth with each other through the mail. Through the mail, what's what's that? <laughs> you know, snail mail, snail mail. stuff that okay. uh, takes you days stamps, and weeks. Actual yeah, stamps actual stamps and, and okay. things that take weeks to get get responses to mm-hmm. and. I had I was corresponding with a number of fans at the time and got tired of writing up all the different things that I had found and wanted to tell them. Mm-hmm. So I started putting together a list and typing up a list and just sending a copy of the list. And, and after, this would have
0: been like give, give me a year. Oh, no, this was when probably this back
1: in nineteen the late seventies. Okay. And I've been doing this for well over twenty years right. now. Right. And, um, and
0: and describe a, a little bit. A little bit more, for, for people that may not be familiar with, with actual printed fanzines and, and things like that, Would did it start off as kind of a, a letter zine? Is, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, actually
1: it was a one and, and then a two-page insert that I would put into the letters and start to mail. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden people were interested in who I wasn't corresponding right. with, and I started adding articles and expanded the size mm-hmm. and... Mainly used, we did a lot of Xerox copies back then. Right. And then when the publication and my subscriptions started to increase, I went to offset printing yeah. and a larger size. hmm
0: And back back in the days when you're Xeroxing this, like, how many subscribers would you say you had, or or how many did you mail it out to?
1: When I first started out, I would say I was mailing out maybe 25 to 30 okay. after I first started this with the fans I was corresponding with. And it slowly crept up to probably seventy-five to okay. eighty fans. That, and then um, I started doing yeah. some advertising and word of mouth, and mm-hmm. got out there. And you know, way back in the stone age when yeah. uh, things were, were.
0: Is there something more? <clears throat> is there something more fun about doing it like that rather than like today we have email lists and, and things like that? And it almost seems so easy for fans to stay in touch. It. it Was there something that you look back and kind of miss about that sort of thing?
1: Well, since I'm still doing it, I I don't really miss it. It's um, become a lot easier to do with desktop publishing. You can do a Mm -hmm. lot more and get the pictures and and get a lot nicer layouts and do things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, there... It was always the excitement of, I know, when I would receive somebody else's fanzine in the mail, there was always the excitement of finding that envelope in the mail and ripping it open and looking discovering new things. And um, now when you go online, you get the email and things are instantaneous, which, you know, is better in some respects. But you miss that old excitement of of getting something and sitting down for two, three hours and reading through the fanzine Mm -hmm. and just discovering what was going on. Yeah,
0: and seems like with there's so almost so much information on the internet and in different varieties of it now, that uh, um, sometimes you can't even go through everything that's out there. When you, you're talking about times when it was it was more fun just to to have so little information that when you did get some of it in the mail, it, it was more exciting a bet.
1: Yeah, it was. That's how it was and for me um, too. In those yeah, times. It, it's. Because there was always that it became the highlight of of the week and sometimes the month mm-hmm. that you actually discovered something and found out something new yeah and now it's you know you can almost discover something new or there's something going on daily right the, the, either email comes through and somebody says oh did you see the article in such and such a magazine and it mentions and but then again if there's something that I'm really interested in I can actually go out and buy it now and not find out about it two months after it was't Published in now's off the newsstands also, mm-hmm. so.
0: Mm-hmm. and even collecting um, before the internet, I'm sure was a lot more difficult. We, you and I, were just talking about, you know, collecting using eBay and and so forth. Back in back in the day,
1: you had to go hunting for stuff. Uh, well, it's it, it's amazing at the the difference. I mean, mm-hmm. back you know 20 years ago when you first started doing this, you'd hear about a book and you could spend years trying to track that book down um case in point is one of the collectors out on the west coast found a book that was self-published back in the 30s that had a short interview with Edgar Rice Burroughs Mm -hmm. and he said oh I hope you guys can try to find this Uh, it took me maybe 15 minutes to find like Twenty copies right. on eight Books, yeah. and I had to decide which one I wanted, and opted for the autographed copy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I could have spent yeah. years and never found the book without yeah. the internet.
0: What about What about Edgar Rice Burroughs himself and and his books? I mean, as as a fan, sometimes we get caught up in collecting and, and having all the different things. But but what are your favorite stories that that first got you in into Burroughs and
1: I was into dinosaurs okay. when I discovered Burroughs. Mm-hmm. And I walked into the corner drugstore and saw a paperback book on the rack and had this woolly man with a caveman attack him and said, oh, that looks like a great had book. To have I one. just, I got a, went and bought the book, took it home and discovered that, gee, it's the third book in a series. Mm-hmm. Went back out, found the first book, sat down and started reading it. Of course, it was the Palucidar series. Mm-hmm. And that's remained my Mm-hmm. favorite series to date. Okay. Um, I mean, it was Pellucidar, Land that Time Forgot, well, yeah. um, Caspak. I got really into the dinosaur things, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, Tarzan. Now,
0: how old would you have been about that time?
1: I was probably 13, 14 okay. years old at that time. It was back in 1962 mm-hmm. when the Burroughs boom first hit, mm-hmm. and I remember you know, I saw some Tarzan books, Magrace Burroughs, but, you know, I, I knew Tarzan from the yeah, movies, so right. I didn't care for those right. books, you yeah. know. it's and The cave, cavemen and dinosaurs. Oh, cavemen and something? dinosaurs, that was the thing. Yeah. But come Christmas time, I asked her, give me some Magrace Burrows books for Christmas, and lo and behold, my parents bought mm-hmm. me Tarzan. Yeah, okay. So one day I sat down and opened up a Tarzan book and said, this isn't the Johnny Weissmuller stuff I've been watching on TV. Yeah. This is the same stuff I've been reading and enjoying with the dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, I'm really liking this I, literature. I, I
0: had almost the exact same reaction and experience with Tarzan. I mean, I remember, I remember Tarzan from Johnny Weissmuller and and as a Tarzan section because I thought I knew what that was, but but it turned out to be a lot different.
1: It's so different you don't recognize yeah. it. It's amazing, and okay. Burroughs is, is, is such a great author that you just get lost in the adventure and mm-hmm. just escape and relax and have a good time reading the books. Right.
0: Well, thanks for joining us, and maybe we'll have you, I'm sure we will, have you as a guest sometime in the future on Dateline Jazz soon.
1: Thank you. There are
0: two emails I wanted to read this week. The first is from Von Horst, who, as every schoolboy knows, makes his home in pellucidar at the Earth's core. And he writes, Greetings from below. The gridley wave network is working quite well five hundred miles down here in Lohar. I have enjoyed all three episodes of Dateline Jassum. The guests, the bloody British hooligan and Bill Hillman, were interesting and the sound effects were neat. I have not listened to them live, but rather from the archive, as time has no meaning where I am. I appreciate the fact that Barsoom is your favorite Burroughs world. However, every schoolboy knows that there's no place like Pellucidar. Let's hear a little bit about the land of the eternal noonday sun, uh, and, uh, he signs it Lost in Pellucidar, Von Horst, uh, in parentheses, David Critchfield. Uh, Von Horst, uh, we've, uh, We've talked a little bit about Pellucidor, and we'll talk a lot more about Pellucidor, and we will eventually, I think, get to everyone's favorite uh, Burroughs world. Uh, you uh, you know that uh, you just heard from Mike Conran that uh, Pellucidor is one of his favorites as well. It's 12 o'clock noon. The weather is 93 degrees and humid. This is Jerry Spanraff. You are
2: listening to Dateline Jassoon. <laughs>
0: The other email I wanted to mention is from Phil Normand, who says, K.O.R. Elmo, just finished listening to the first three podcasts and thoroughly enjoyed them. It's a real thrill thrill to actually hear the sounds of Barsoom, bants, princesses, flyers, and horrendous battles coming through my laptop speakers. You've got some great sound and music mixes going on, and it adds a professional texture to the whole thing. I enjoy those goofy commercials, too. Uh, I wanted to mention that because uh, I really like the goofy commercials, too, and I hope people keep coming up with ideas and recording uh, those sorts of bits to, to go on Dateline Jazz Zoom. Uh You can get in touch with me if you want a, a little bit of advice about how to do that. Uh, it's, it's fairly easy. Thanks for those two emails, guys, and everyone else, uh, even if you don't want to produce something for the show, drop me a note to, to let me know what you'd like to hear on the show. Okay, Jeddick of the North, I keep hearing about a Land That Time Forgot uh, movie project or TV series or, or, or miniseries. What, what can you tell me about it?
2: Well, we have news drifting up to Okar on that as well, but uh, nothing too recent. Uh, I know Danton called just after he signed contracts with uh, Hallmark Hallmark Entertainment uh, last spring. And uh, it was to be a four-hour adaptation of The Land That Time Forgot, set in modern times, and uh, the writers... Uh, of this of this series, were the people who had done the Mysterious Island project last summer, and um, it's still slated for a summer release, as far as I know.
0: So this summer.
2: This summer, yeah.
0: Wow. Now, would that be something on the Sci-Fi Channel, or do you know?
2: Well, uh, Hallmark is tied in with uh, they have sort of their own channel now. Uh, there's oh, so that's right. much. There's so much stuff up there on, on satellite now and on cable, but uh, I I think most of their stuff is is found in one spot, and they do a lot of productions.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not so bothered by a modern setting for the land that time forgot. I, I think it it could be done well um that way uh, uh we talked about before how john carter needed to be set in the civil war but i'm not sure if i have a problem with the land that time forgot doing that
2: no i i feel the same uh I, uh because uh, you know the uh, the time period wasn't all that important to uh, the land that time forgot uh ha- having the u-boat and whatnot uh with the um the german connection was kind of neat but um I'm sure, you
0: could, I'm sure you could do it with a nuclear submarine would be just as cool. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I don't know how it would fit through that uh, passage into uh,
2: Caspec. <laughs> well, it's, maybe it's larger than what we thought. <laughs> yeah, just have a bigger passage if you got yeah. a bigger boat. All right. There's uh, not too much news on the John Carter project, the film project yet, other than Alphaville uh, has, has split. Uh, the company behind uh, producing that uh, along with Paramount uh, uh, that's with uh, Sean Daniel and Jim Jacks they did all the, uh, the Mummy movies and a whole pile of stuff and they were a driving force behind uh, the John Carter film
0: yeah. the, uh, the Mummy when, when I first went to see The Mummy in the theater I thought this is uh, I would love to see an Edgar Rice Burroughs movie uh, done this way
2: yeah, they did a, a nice series there, um, and uh, they uh, they had some some excellent actors in it, and uh, Kelly uh, Kelly who might have might have been a good uh, Dejah Thoris as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um all right, Bill, I think uh, I think that's about it for this week. I, I just wanted to touch base with you and, and it's good to hear some of that news and I will be talking to you in a couple weeks.
2: Yeah, well, it's good hearing from the Southland up sitting on the on this tower being the guardian of the north and all.
0: It is sunny and I'm not sure what the temperature is outside, but uh, spring is around the corner in Chicago.
2: Well, spring is in the air here too, but we still have too much snow to. Get too serious about it.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, Bill. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay. And that's it for show number four. Uh, I want to uh, thank my guests, uh, Mike Conran, and as always, the Jeddak of the North. And. Uh, Also, as always, I want to thank the Podsafe Music Network for for providing a little bit of music for the show. Uh, We played uh, some of a song called Tribe of One by Dr. Awkward. Um, Also this week, I wanted to thank Pete Ogden, the editor of Urbania, for mentioning Dateline Jassoom in the current issue. Pete has been publishing that fanzine for 50 years now, which is just amazing. I can almost guarantee you that uh, 50 years from now, I uh, won't be doing Dateline Jazz uh, Pete, congratulations on that anniversary. So, thanks for listening again this week. I hope you had fun. I sure did. And I will see you in two weeks. This is Elmo from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, signing off. <laughs> This is 2019 Elmo, and if you want to reach me today, you can send me an email at my new address, jefflong0220 at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at the new hosting site for Dateline Jassum. That's at anchor.fm slash panthan hyphen press, and when you go to that website, you'll see a little button for send a voice message. So I'd like to hear from you. Or, you know, just friend me on Facebook. I'm on all the bros groups.